You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Expecting a New Year's message from me, you've come to the wrong place and you know exactly why you've come to the wrong place. You know as well as I do that every single now is potentially the start of your new life. Now, by your new life, I mean whatever you want to do with your life or any aspect of it, whatever changes you want to bring about. And that covers everything from health and fitness, weight and strength. Strength, obviously, very important as we get older. Finances, financial freedom, something I've talked a lot about on our program owners Wednesday evening Zooms recently. Career, business, buying your ideal house, finding your ideal house. Let's start with that one, because effectively, All you need to do is take responsibility for your own state of mind. And ultimately, that's all we ever talk about, isn't it? Responsibility, being responsible for yourself, being responsible for what's going on in your head. But ultimately, all you need to do is take responsibility. And then all the other stuff that I've mentioned, and obviously I haven't mentioned an exhaustive list, it all falls into place. One of... My earliest online program owners, the online program, The Psychology of Success, was launched in November 2018. So around February, March 2019, this particular program owner came on board and she was looking for a house at the time, not particularly actively house hunting, but she knew that she wanted to move from the rental accommodation that she was in. And after a couple of months of regular meditation, she stumbled across this house, which to her felt like her ideal house at that time. Now, at that time is really important. People often think that they have to set big life goals for themselves. Indeed, all the conventional wisdom, and by the way, those two words simply don't go together. All the conventional wisdom says you need a plan. You need a five-year plan. You need a 10-year plan. You need a life plan. No, you need to know what feels right for you now. So at that time, the house that my program owner stumbled across felt like just the right house for her. So she made an offer, which ultimately was accepted. All the legal work was done. And on the day she was due to pick up the keys, out of the blue, she discovered serendipitously that the house in question was subject to legal proceedings. So immediately she cancelled the whole deal at the very last moment. As you might say, one minute to doomsday, one minute to midnight. She went back to her mother's house for dinner that evening and her mother said for God, you're awful cool and calm and collected for somebody who has just lost their dream house. And she said, well, I look upon it like this. It obviously wasn't meant to be. 
it obviously wasn't my dream house. Obviously, I didn't get it because something better awaits me. A week later, she stumbled across a house that needed less work done on it. In other words, less money put into it. It was much cheaper than the house that she thought was her dream house. And it was in a much nicer location and a handier location, much more convenient. That's the house she now lives in. And it fell into her lap. How many times have you heard me using that expression? It fell into her lap effortlessly. Why do I bring up that particular example? Well, first of all, we often talk about things like peace of mind and healthy mind, healthy body on this podcast. But this is a practical example of how practical things in your everyday life fall into place when you take responsibility for your own state of mind or take responsibility for yourself. Let's keep it really, really simple. Now, I used a phrase, or at least she used a phrase that I mentioned a moment ago, she said, obviously, it wasn't meant to be. Now, that is a phrase that is a get out of jail free card for normal, crazy people. Oh, I wanted this, but obviously it wasn't meant to be. In other words, I wasn't prepared to do what it took to get what I wanted in the first place. Normal, crazy people will find all kinds of reasons for avoiding stuff that takes them even minimally outside their comfort zone despite the fact that they actually want to get out of their comfort zone to change their lives. Let, let's deal with the phrase comfort zone for a minute as well, because most people are living in a comfort zone that isn't uncomfortable enough to push them into doing the things they know they need to do to achieve the kind of things that they would love to achieve in their life. Let's go back to the list that I mentioned right at the beginning. Setting up a new business, losing weight, getting fit, drinking less, buying a house, changing job. Everybody will jolly along, and that's not the right word, obviously, but People will rumble and stumble along from one day to the next because their comfort zone is not uncomfortable enough. Now, people will moan about their comfort zone, which means that actually it isn't a comfort zone at all. People essentially are uncomfortable, but not uncomfortable enough. And if they're normal, crazy people, and 96% of us are, they won't even be aware that they are uncomfortable. They'll feel unsettled. They will know that there are things that they want to do with their lives, change in their lives, particularly around this time of year, where people will have their New Year's resolutions without realizing that basically very little changes from one year to the next, including the New Year's resolutions. They're normally pretty much the same from one year to the next. Why? Because I wasn't uncomfortable enough to get out of my own way, get out of my comfort zone and start doing what it takes to change my life. The interesting thing about the whole idea of comfort zone is that as far as the flow research initiated by Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi and the University of Chicago, as far as the flow research is concerned, you always need to have one foot outside your comfort zone. In other words, you always need to be on the cusp of pushing yourself a little bit further. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about pushing yourself in any aggressive way or even effortful way. We know 
from looking at research in the field of neuroscience, that the more in flow we are, the less effort it takes to do what we need to do to get to where we want to go. Even if that is simply completing a task that you think might be difficult or saying something to somebody that you think would be beyond your way of communicating. An awful lot of people are afraid of conflict. An awful lot of people are afraid of saying things that they know they need to say and end up in difficult situations as a result of not doing or saying what they know they needed to do or say. Why? Because it would take them outside their comfort zone. Now, the interesting thing about comfort zone is that it is more than anything else a construct of thought. Let me explain that. If I have something to say, and I prefer not to have to say it, I will think of all kinds of reasons why I shouldn't say it. And even if I get to the point of saying it, my own thinking mind will say, oh, you couldn't say that. What will the other person think of you? Or you're going to make matters worse rather than better. Now, of course, it is not saying what needs to be said that makes matters worse rather than better. But here is another practical everyday example of how, if we take responsibility for our own state of mind, we move in the direction that we need to move in with all the relationships that we have. And obviously I mean close relationships, but I mean relationships with our friends, relationships with the people with whom we work. You may say to yourself, I don't have a relationship with anybody at work. But I'm talking about the interpersonal relationships that we all have, because no man, nor woman for that matter, is an island. So we're all interacting with people all of the time. And what we learn during the third year of our lives is that we interact with people in a way that doesn't make us feel uncomfortable. And not just uncomfortable with the other person, more fundamentally uncomfortable with ourselves. Why would we want to stay in that particular uncomfortable comfort zone? Well, if we're using our minds normally, we're uncomfortable with ourselves already. Why disturb the apple cart even more? Why make matters worse? I'll stay in my box, even though the box doesn't exist, and I won't wander out of it because I'd be afraid of doing something that would make me more uncomfortable with myself. It's all convoluted, it's all nonsense, it's all rubbish, it's all related to thinking. But as I said to a client recently, all thinking always leads to overthinking. Let's take what I've just said back to the basics of this time of year. People will write things down as New Year's resolutions. Now, they'll write them down the wrong way. I'll come back to that in a minute. They'll write down New Year's resolutions, and then they will think, as a result of writing it down, that it's all going to be fine. And they'll think off down the road that in three months' time, I'm going to be 10 kilos lighter, or in a year's time, I'm going to be fitter. And of course, when they get to three months' time, they'll start thinking that they're never going to do it because very little has actually changed. It's all as a result of thought. First of all, I'm thinking into the future. And secondly, when I get into that particular now and realize that it isn't what I thought it would be, I think that I am more disappointed with myself, more uncomfortable with myself, but there's always next year. And that's why there's no New Year's message with this 
particular podcast episode because there's always next now. Any now is potentially the now in which your life will change or when we're talking about taking responsibility, actually what I'm saying is any now is potentially the now in which you can do and say the right thing that will start changing your life or any aspect of it. Now, and I mean now, now, just a minute ago, I said to you that New Year resolutions are often written down, but generally speaking, written down the wrong way. I recollect a conversation I had with a client nine years, maybe 10 years ago at this stage. And he said, I want this particular job and it has to be my ideal job. And I've drawn up a list of all the things that this new job has to offer me. And my new job will have to tick all those boxes. I said, you're never going to get a job that way. It's like, for example, somebody else I spoke to recently had a list of 100 things that her ideal man should have. And I said to her again, you're never going to get an ideal man that way. I'll come back to her in just a minute. Let me come back to my friend who had this list nine or 10 years ago. I said, you're not going to get your ideal job that way. A number of years later, the week that I mentioned a minute ago, in 2018, when I launched the online program, he was the first person to become an online program owner. That would be seven or eight years after. Yeah, my maths is wrong. It must, have been, it must have been longer than nine or 10 years ago that he had that list because he was seven years looking for a job that would tick all the boxes on that list and obviously had never found the job in the interim. He was the first person to buy the online program in November 2018. He went through it in 72 hours because he was desperate at that stage, pure and simple. He set his mind by handwriting what he wanted. That's why I said a minute ago that New Year's resolutions are generally written down the wrong way. Just bear with me. This will all come out in the wash. He handwrote how he would feel when he got his new job. That's actually how you handwrite something that you want to achieve. And on probably our third or fourth program owner Zoom, early February 2019, he announced to everybody on the call that he had just signed the contract for his dream job. And he said, it feels like it just fell into my lap. It feels like after all the struggle, all I had to do was turn up for an interview for a job that I hadn't even remembered applying for. Now, by the way, as an aside, and it's an important aside, I know at least five or six online program owners who have got their ideal jobs having turned up for interviews for jobs for which they didn't remember applying. The other interesting thing about this particular individual was that the night before he was due to go for the interview for the job he couldn't remember applying for, he was browsing on the internet and stumbled across an article in relation to digital marketing that kind of grabbed his attention. And he thought about it, and obviously he slept on it, went into the interview the following day and discovered after the initial few minutes when himself and the interviewer bonded, I'll come back to that in a minute as well, that what he had read about on digital marketing as he was browsing the internet the previous evening, it occurred to him that 
that would be a good thing to actually mention as a bright idea that he had in the course of the interview. That and the bonding that went on at the beginning of the interview, which I'll come back to in a second. But bringing up the thing that he'd stumbled across on the internet the previous night proved to be the tipping point, proved to be the bright idea that the other people interviewing him went, oh, wow, why didn't we ever think of that? That's what got him the job. That and the bonding. Because within 30 seconds of going into the interview in the first place, he realised as did the lead interviewer, that they had both lived in the same apartment building in Holland about 20 years previous to that. And that's what set off the whole ambiance, if I can put it like that, of the particular conversation, the effortless conversation that they had that led to his dream job. Now, listen to everything I've just said. I've said it in kind of a roundabout and convoluted way, but basically what happened was a series of synchronicities that were created as a result of him taking control of his state of mind, which is what the first half of the online program is about, and setting his clear mind, which is what the second half of the online program is about, setting his mind to arrive at the coordinates of how he will feel when he has landed his dream job. And that's what I meant about how New Year's resolutions are written the wrong way. They're normally written as a list, very often, I suppose, in bullet points. I don't know. I've never written a New Year's resolution in my life. I've never had a New Year's resolution in my life. I will not go with the flow. I create the flow. But New Year's resolutions, if they are written down, will be written down in a list, or they will be written down as a series of wants. Subconscious mind doesn't understand the word want. Want is a construct of thought. And as we said in an episode a few weeks ago, want means that essentially there's a want in me. There's a lack in me. It is an incredibly negative place from which to start your journey into the life that could be grand if only you'd take responsibility for your own state of mind. So if you write down anything like that, write down the list, for example, of the hundred things, the hundred boxes that my ideal man must tick. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. I haven't forgotten. If I write it down that way, it goes over my subconscious mind's head. It's meaningless. It means absolutely nothing, but it's worse than meaningless because what does it do to my thinking mind? It confirms to my thinking mind what I've always thought about myself. I am a non-achiever. Things will never materially or fundamentally change in my life because I have no evidence that that has ever happened to me in all the adult years up to now. I'm going to come back to that point in just a moment. But before we move on, let me talk about the girl who had a list of 100 points, 100 boxes that her ideal man would have to tick. Now, she wrote it not as a list of wants. She wrote it in the present tense as he is this, he does that, he has this. So it was kind of halfway house between writing a New Year's resolution the wrong way and setting your mind to the coordinates of how you'll feel when you achieve your objective. As a result of which, she did meet somebody who ticked 
I was going to say all those boxes, a hundred of them. She said he ticked 99 of those boxes. I said, and? She said, I forgot to put on my list that he would love me. Kind of a glaring omission, isn't it? It's like when people talk about their goals and objectives and the things that they would love to have in their life and they forget to put down health. A glaring omission. There's no point in having goals and dreams or anything in this world if you don't have your health. Glaring omission. Anyway, she met this guy. She said, uh, her thinking mind said to herself, oh yeah, he ticks all the boxes, I'll marry him. Yes, they married and a few years later they separated and then divorced. Quite simply because she'd forgotten to put down the most important point on the list. There is power in handwriting. How many times have I said that before? There is power in handwriting if you're using the present tense. There's even more power in handwriting if you use the present tense to explain and explore how you feel, how excited and exhilarated you feel as a result of having experienced the perfect moment, whatever that perfect moment might be for you. I want to come back to how I explained how some of the things that have happened people have felt like they just happened. And I want to go all the way back to the start of today's podcast, where I said that most people will avoid doing things that make them feel uncomfortable. It's like so many people have said to me in relation to when we moved to France, God, that was brave and courageous. Same thing was said to a friend of mine recently who in his late 50s set up a new business and people said to him, God, that was brave and courageous. Now, some of his acquaintances, and that's all they were, they obviously weren't his friends, said to him, oh, it's your age, setting up a new business, you must have been fired. People will always think the worst, won't they? Because that's the way we're wired. We're always wired to see the glass half empty. Or indeed, people will, normal crazy people certainly, will take delight in other people falling on their faces. It's a terrible thing to say, but there, it's out in the open now. But the point I wanted to make was, all of these things fall into place because you do do the things that you only think would make you feel uncomfortable. You do say the things that you only think will make you feel uncomfortable. We get in our own way all of the time. Actually, that's only half true. Our thinking mind gets in our way all of the time. What we need to do is allow our thinking mind sit in the corner quietly. Eventually, he or she will sit in the corner quietly facing the wall as if they aren't there. Now, that is more than simply an analogy or a metaphor for what happens our thinking mind. The more we take responsibility for our own state of mind, the more we train our mind to be present and focused in the here and now, the more the parts of the brain that house our thinking mind are literally bricked up 
as a result of the steps that we take every day through regular meditation. Interestingly enough, we were having a conversation on this on one of our program owners' Zooms just before Christmas. And one of the girls said to somebody else who was early on in the process, said to her, look at it like this. Every time you sit down to meditate, you put one more brick on that wall. And basically what you're doing is building a wall that will preclude your thinking mind from lobbing the thoughts into your consciousness that get you to the point of saying to yourself, oh, I couldn't say that. Or what would people think of me if I did this? Or how would I feel about myself if I had to step outside my uncomfortable comfort zone? Let's pause and consider that phrase for just a moment, because I was talking with a client a couple of months ago, and she was saying that when we started talking first, she found it very difficult to believe that there was a world outside her little box. I said to her, oh, that was just normal, normal crazy. We have this thinking mind. Cognitive psychology calls it the conceptual self, a bundle of thought. We have this thinking mind that thinks bad of us, that puts us in a box and puts us in a box that is more akin to a prison cell. And then because it's so uncomfortable, we try to make our prison cell a little more comfortable. So what we do is we say, go on holidays. That's akin, if I follow the prison cell analogy, of putting up a poster of a nice place on my prison cell wall and saying, oh yeah, been there. Now the interesting thing, of course, about people on holidays is people on holidays nowadays have a phone attached to the end of their nose. They're taking photographs of places they have never been reflect on that for a few minutes. But anyway, back to my friend. I said, as long as you're using your thinking mind, as long as you're in that prison cell, as long as you haven't taken responsibility for your own state of mind, all the actions that you take to make yourself feel more comfortable in your own comfort zone will be akin to putting nice pictures on the wall of your prison cell. Go over to the door and realize the door isn't locked. Now, somebody else with whom I had also used the same analogy, said to me at one point over the last year, he said, I walked out of the door of my prison cell and realized there was a whole new world that I hadn't experienced before because I was so buried in my own thoughts. And I took a couple of bold steps, bold and courageous steps, as other people viewed them, into that brave new world. There's another word. And then I looked back towards the prison cell and realized it was never there. The same guy said to me on another occasion, he said, the experiences that I have now in my life, the synchronicities, synchronicities that we referred to earlier on, when people discovered that their way was smooth to get their dream job as a result of them simply turning up and knowing how it would feel like when they experienced the achievement of their goal or objective. This guy said to me, he said, now I walk out my door in the morning and opportunity meets me on a gentle breeze. The opportunities were always there. Now I can smell the roses. Mixed metaphors, I know, but the point is that all you have to do is walk out the door. All you have to do is turn up to the here and now. So when I use the big or word, responsibility, people kind of go, 
doesn't that require discipline? Isn't, isn't that difficult? Doesn't that require that I do things that I've never done before? And the answer is no. What it requires is that you turn up to the here and now. You allow yourself create the flow. As a result of which you do what you thought was difficult effortlessly and create the opportunities and synchronicities that enable you experience what you never thought you would. Which brings me back to the point that I mentioned a few minutes ago that I said I would come back to. I said a few minutes ago that most people around this time of year will know that by the middle of the year, the middle of this year would be pretty much the same as the middle of any other year because they've no evidence from the past in their adult life to confirm to them that they can do brave things as a result of which their life will be different. They've no concrete evidence. Now, most people are like that. Indeed, I had a conversation with somebody a number of years ago who was suffering or thought he was suffering from depression at the time. There's something we might talk about at some point. But this guy thought he was suffering from depression at the time. And of course, depression is only the result of convoluted and ruminative thought. Anyway, I asked him to remember a time he was happy. And he said, oh, I was never happy. Now, as it turned out, Obviously, that was not true, but I had to drag it out. But the point I'm making is that he thought he had no evidence of a time when he was happy in his life. People who are trying to change their life using their mind normally have no evidence that they're going to be able to change their life. So it's almost as if they have resigned to never being, quote unquote, brave and courageous. It doesn't matter whether or not you have evidence from the past. What happened in the past doesn't matter. What matters is what you do now. Full stop. What do you do now? I turn up. If I turn up, then I'm here now and I will do what I need to do and I will know what I need to do, when to do it, how to do it, and I will do it effortlessly because I've stopped thinking about it. Is it that simple? Actually, it is that simple. But the thing you need to understand is that every now is an opportunity for a happy new now and a happy new you. All you've got to do is turn up. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called, To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-hoyle.com.